you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. exalt his name together right now all over this room would you lift your voice and your hands and exalt and magnify Jesus hallelujah 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 all the presence of the Lord is with us tonight amen without further ado I want to bring our speaker to this platform tonight didn't Brother Labatt preach a wonderful power doctrinal message this morning. If you didn't know, now you know that there is only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and his name is Jesus. Amen. I want to be on that straight path. How about you? Amen. Amen. It's such an honor always to have our good friends with us and just to be around them. You know how you have friends that when you're around, they just make you better? The Labats are just those kind of people. Brother Labatt and I became friends in Bible college, and most of you know the story. We've traveled together. As a matter of fact, he was with me the first night I ever laid eyes on Annette. And the second day of Bible college, when she comes walking across, the campus, we happened to be together, and I turned to him, and I said, is that the girl we met in Arkansas? He said, I think it is, and the rest is history. Amen. We've been friends for a very long time, and through all the years of knowing him, more than just being a truly great preacher and a truly great leader and wonderful pastor, he is just a great Christian, and I honor and respect Pastor Labatt so very much, and it's an honor that he would leave his very, very much thriving church to come and be here today. As a matter of fact, they're getting ready to build a brand new building. They have broken ground, and it's about to happen, and I can't wait to be able to worship with them there in Addison, Illinois. 
We're honored to have Brother and Sister Labatt with us. They blessed the ladies' ministry, and of course, he blessed us this morning and coming to break the bread of life tonight. Would you put your hands together one more time and welcome Pastor Brian Labatt. We love you, sir. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in the house tonight. I said Jesus is here. Would you lift your hands one more time and would you reach up, extend your praise to him. Come on, give him praise in this house tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, great God. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful we can come into your presence tonight. We give you praise in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but it's always in order to give him praise. Can I tell you that your greatest praise is not the praise that you feel, it's the praise that you force. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I don't know where you are, what you're going through, but you ought to just say, God, I'm coming to your presence tonight, and I'm here to give you praise. I'm here to lift you up. Oh, I love you, great God. What an awesome, awesome God we serve, and uh, we are so glad to be here. We love your pastor and wife. They are just amazing people. As my wife mentioned, they blessed our church on numerous occasions. And um, as she said, their handprints are all over our church. Part of the reason we're building is because of that man right there. And I appreciate his guidance and direction um, in my life. And uh, I, I love him so much. Love this church. And uh, glad to have my wife here tonight. Didn't she do an incredible job? I wouldn't have minded if she'd just gone on and preached tonight. I love her. I'm thankful for what God's done in her life. Uh, let me go right to the word of the Lord. I'm so glad you came tonight. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I'm glad to be here. Matthew chapter 11. Look at Matthew chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John heard in the prison, say in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. For ye are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober, for they that sleep do sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, say let us, say let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to 
preach for just a little while on the subject, end of the day issues. And I feel that I'm here tonight in the Holy Ghost. End of the day issues. Father, we're so grateful to be in your house and we thank you for your presence that has come into this building. You're here. Your presence is here. We honor you tonight. Now I pray, God, give me words to speak. Give us ears to hear. Let every heart be changed. Touch us tonight. Let us leave different than we came. And we thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the last several years, I've been disturbed with all that I've seen that is taking place around us. I could name them, the weather, the economy, racism, violence, natural disasters, the threat of war, crazy gender identity crisis, false religion, people questioning the inerrancy of this book. What does it all mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that it's almost midnight. Let me say it again. I said it's almost midnight. I believe that time is running out, and we are nearing the rapture of the church. Can I tell you, I believe Jesus is about to come again. And Jesus said in Luke 21, when you see these things begin to come to pass. He didn't say when they come to pass. He said when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And I I think that knowing the time that it would be wise for us to consider the nature of the end of the day and the midnight hour that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 25. Midnight is a time of darkness where your vision becomes impeded and a lack of clarity becomes the issue. As one approaches the midnight hour, there is an ever-increasing tendency to have to fight off sleep. Alertness is overtaken by weariness and Awareness becomes a concern. I'll never forget several years ago, I was driving home from camp meeting in Illinois, and uh, I, I almost didn't make it. I went to sleep at the wheel. Thankfully, I awoke just before I went off the road, but I almost didn't make it. In fact, the place that I became the most vulnerable was not the beginning of the journey, but it was at the end of the journey. And it's a fact that most accidents occur within just a few miles of home. You almost make it home, but then there's an accident. Anyone who's ever struggled through the night behind the wheel can relate to what I'm talking about tonight with weariness encroaching. You desperately try and keep the car between the lines. Anybody ever been there? Your vision becomes impaired as you try to fight off sleep and you try to stay awake and You may even begin to second guess what your eyes seem to be ushering into your thoughts. And response time becomes limited as your brain sends the signal, but the body doesn't seem to respond in like. And many people have lost their lives as the day comes to an end. And the weariness of the midnight hour sets in. And and when I read about John in Matthew chapter 11, it seems to me that John is confronting some end of the day issues. From his miraculous birth, John has given his life for preparing people for the coming of Christ. He was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. It was 
John that said when he comes, he will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so now John is standing in the, the threshold of a new dispensation, a, a new era of grace, if you will. And he's called to usher it in, but now his day is almost over. And midnight approaches, and he'll never leave this prison alive. And so just prior to his death, John, he seeks clarification. Detail was important at this time. He wants to know for sure if this man that he's given his life for, that he's given everything for, if this man is who he says that he is, is, is he the one, is is he the one, not a similar one, not a popular one, not the admired one, but is he the one? I need to know, is Jesus really the one? Discernment was necessary, precision was the priority, judgment was the requirement. Is this Jesus truly the Messiah that was spoken of by the prophets? Is this really him? And we have a tendency to stand back and criticize and judge John for his lack of faith and we ask, how could he have ever asked such a question? He should have known who Jesus was. When John saw Jesus coming to the Jordan to be baptized, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. He said, Behold the Lamb. When Jesus came, he pointed him out and said, He's the Lamb of God. And yet now he's questioning whether or not Jesus is even who he really claims to be. I, I don't know what John was struggling with, what his battle was, or even what prompted him to ask such a question. Maybe it was having some doubts, or even maybe a momentary lapse of faith. But I want to tell you something, it didn't affect who Jesus was. Jesus is going to be Jesus regardless of what you think and regardless of what I think. Can I tell you, Jesus is going to go on and be who he's always been. It doesn't matter what you think or the kind of questions you bring to the table. Jesus is who he's always been. In fact, Paul said, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful because he cannot deny himself. So regardless of our doubts and regardless of our concerns, Jesus is going to go on being God. And today, the church, I believe, stands in a similar place as John stood. We too are people of a miraculous spiritual birth. We, we too live under a divine mandate to prepare the way of the Lord. And we have a distinct message to the world. And that's to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We, we like John, stand in a similar place. And yet we're being confronted with the darkness of deception that comes as the night encroaches and the hour grows late. And like John, there seems to be some confusion and we're starting to question in the dark what we always knew to be true in the light. You can be sure that the enemy is going to zero in on that. And he's going to do his best work in the last days. He's going to try to divide people in the last days. He's going to try to cause disunity in the last days. As the hour grows later, this end time apostolic church must commit to the same level of judgment that John committed himself to. If we ever needed to affirm and reaffirm our faith, it's now. It's now. If we ever needed to know what we believe, we need to know what we believe right now. Somebody shout now. John, we must seek the truth no matter the cost. We must know the truth. And so I come with some very important questions to address tonight. 
And that first question is, are we still preaching the right message in this hour? Are we still preaching the right message? That's a question we have to address. What was the message of the New Testament church? What was the message Jesus told his disciples to go and preach? In Luke 24, he said that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father before you, but tarry until you're endued with power from on high. That repentance and remission of sin. There's repentance, there's water baptism, and then there is the Holy Ghost. What message was preached when the early church was born at Pentecost? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you that Peter preached the same message in Acts 2.38 that Jesus commanded them to preach in Luke chapter 24. Oh no, don't you ever doubt it. It's not time to start questioning the message. It's not time to start asking, is Acts 2.38 really the gospel? I'm here to tell you, it is the gospel and it's the only message that we're to preach. Does anybody love this truth and love this gospel? seated a quick study of Acts will tell you what they preached as the gospel Acts 2 the Holy Ghost falls in the upper room and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance in Acts chapter 8 Philip went preaching in Samaria and those that believed were baptized in the name of Jesus and when Peter and John laid hands on them they received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 10 Peter was preaching to the house of Cornelius when the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word and those that came knew they had received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God and Peter said can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord in Acts chapter 19 Paul meets up with some of John's disciples and asks how are you baptized and have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed and Paul rebaptizes them in the name of Jesus and when they laid their hands on them they received the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with tongues what are you saying I'm saying this didn't just happen in Acts 2 it happened in Acts 8 Acts 10 Acts 19 everywhere somebody everywhere somebody believed in Christ uh, there was repentance there was water baptism and there was the infilling of the Holy Ghost Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If Acts 2.38 isn't the answer to John chapter 3.5, then when somebody please tell me what it is. You know what Paul said? Paul said to the Galatians, he said, I marvel that you so you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. But he said, it's not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and they would pervert the gospel of Christ. But he said, though we are an angel from heaven, come preaching any other message, let him be accursed. He said, I'm going to say it one more time. If anybody comes preaching another message, I don't care if it's an angel from heaven, don't you listen to it. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one God, and Jesus is his name. Oh, yes, this easy believism doctrine that doesn't require anything but faith 
is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the gospel has and it will always be the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we must repent and we must be buried in his name. And we must be filled with his spirit. This was the message of the New Testament church. And this is the message of this last day church. Come on, come on CLC. It's not time to question this message. It's not time to say, is this really the truth? It's time to lock in and believe the truth of the word of God. Come on, let's keep preaching Acts 2.38. Let's keep praying people through to the Holy Ghost in this hour. Let's keep preaching it. Let's keep believing it. Is this the message we're to preach? And then there's another question we have to address, and that is, is our lifestyle still relevant? The way we live, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we dress. This is a question we need clarity on because we're not trying to make people believe something that isn't true. Apostolics aren't like everyone else. I'm sorry, I'm not here to offend anybody, but I just want you to know, apostolics, we're not like everybody else. And I don't say that to be offensive or rude, but we still preach a message of separation and a message of holiness come out from among them. We still believe in modesty. We still believe the body should be covered and not exposed and that there are distinct lines that can be crossed from modesty to immodesty. We, we still believe in distinction in the sexes, that men ought to look like men and women ought to look like women. We still believe in deliverance from the vices of the flesh. We believe there's deliverance from worldliness and carnality and fornication and adultery. We believe God can deliver you from pornography. He can set you free. I don't know what your struggle is tonight, but I want to I want to tell you there's deliverance in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. There is deliverance from the vices of this world and the flesh. And so the question is, the question is, does it matter? Does our lifestyle matter the way we live our life? I ask, did it ever matter? Did it ever matter? Because if it ever mattered then, then it still matters today. Many people who once contended for a lifestyle of separation are now saying it doesn't matter. You can live any way you want to live. And all I can relate it to is the lateness of the hour and people not affirming and reaffirming what the Word teaches about how we're supposed to be living. We've stopped talking about holiness and separation because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend people. Well, listen, the Word of God talks about it. And how many know the Word of God? Sometimes it does separate us. I don't want to offend anyone either, but neither do I not want to contend for what the Word says matters. If this book says it matters, then your pastor has to preach it, and he's got to teach it. I've learned that if I preach this book, I'm going to offend somebody. But I'd rather be guilty of preaching truth and offending a few than to not preach the truth and stand before God guilty on that day. Listen, we're going to be accountable for what's in this book. And we've got to preach it. Does it still matter that we strive to maintain a line of separation between us and this world? Does it matter that we work at obeying the teachings of this book and we strive to please God? Does it 
matter that what we look like and how we dress and what we put on and what we say and where we go. Does it matter? Is there not a difference between the holy and the unholy and the clean and the unclean? Is it all right to just throw it all away because we don't quite understand what God meant when he said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. What does it mean when the scripture says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What does John mean when he says, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world, and if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What did Paul mean when he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is is your reasonable service. Uh, What does it mean? You see, we treat the world like a buffet. We treat the word like a buffet. The problem is we want to interpret Scripture and take a little of this and a little of that, but I'm not going to take that, and I'm not going to take that. And so we'll listen to what Paul says about grace, but we won't listen to what he says about separation. We'll listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say about the gospel, but we won't listen to what Paul says about our lifestyle. We'll listen to what Paul says about the rapture, but we won't listen to Paul when he talks about coming out of the world. We'll listen to what Paul says when he talks about healing, but we won't listen to what Paul has to say about holiness. But how many remember that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God? Somebody shout all Scripture. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness, the worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. And yet we're questioning, does this lifestyle matter? Does it matter how I live? Does God even care? Can I tell you tonight that you can't be partially apostolic? You can't just be a a little apostolic. Either you're apostolic or you're not apostolic. Listen, it would be so easy as a pastor. I know because I've dealt with it. It'd be easy to just cast aside any teaching about apostolic lifestyle and, and refuse to talk about separation from the world. But I am fearful that that would be displeasing to God and he would withdraw his spirit. I want you to know that God is still calling men and women in this hour to come out of this world and to go deep into the things of God, to live for God the way that he wants us to live for him. So Paul said, nevertheless, whereunto we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. This preacher has come tonight to tell you it still matters. Your lifestyle matters. It matters how you live your life. And then and then the question is, is our devotion really going to matter in the end? In the end, is it going to matter how committed we were, how dedicated we were, how consecrated we were? I want you to know as apostolics, we're, we're known for taking this thing seriously. We're known for taking it seriously. We don't live for God casually. We're not casual about prayer. We're not casual about worship. We're not casual about being in the house of God. We take it very seriously. We're not casual about these things. And yet some people think that they can live the easy way and they're just going to slip on into heaven on that day. But I don't believe that you can be saved and not really be sold out. 
I got about four amens right there. Let me say it again. I said, I don't believe that you can be saved and not be sold out. Peter said, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Thank God for grace. Anybody walking in grace tonight? Is anybody thankful for the grace of God? But let me tell you about the grace of God. Grace doesn't work when we're not doing our best. Thank God that we have grace to make up for our lack. But grace does not cover what we can do. Grace takes care of what we can't do, not what we can and not what we refuse to do. Grace makes up for our lack, but it doesn't make up for our laziness. I don't believe the half-hearted are going to make it. I don't believe the partially devoted are going to make it. I don't believe the cautiously committed are going to make it. God has sent me tonight to challenge us to say it doesn't matter. I'm preaching to somebody in this house. You've walked in saying, well, do I even need to be here tonight? What's the point? Is it all in vain? Does it, does it even matter? Does it matter? I want to tell you, it does matter. God sent a preacher here tonight to tell you, it does matter. The way you live your life, your commitment, your dedication, your consecration, it does matter. Can I tell you that with Jesus, it's all or it's nothing. I said it's all or it's nothing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. He wants everything that you have to offer. He doesn't want just a little bit of you. He wants everything that you have to offer. Brother Jordan, I, 2012, I did something really stupid. I took a survey with the church, and I asked some questions, and I was shocked when I got the answer. I asked the question, do you come to church regularly? And somebody said, no. And I said, do you give tithes and offerings? And they said, seldom. And I said, do you read your Bible every day? And somebody said, seldom. I said, do you pray every day? And they said, no. I said, do you think Calvary needs a new sanctuary? Yes. Are you willing to give to the building fund? No. And then I said, how committed are you to Christ? This was their answer, very. They don't give, they don't come to church, they're not in the word, they're not in prayer, but they are very committed to Christ. How can someone feel that they're very committed to Christ? They don't pray, they don't fast, they don't give, they don't attend, they don't serve, they don't keep their heart right, their spirit right. Listen, you can't separate your commitment to Christ from your commitment to the body of Christ. I'm very committed to Christ, but you don't come to church and you don't serve and you don't offer your life as a sacrifice to God. Listen, your commitment to the church is representative of your commitment to Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to tell you what we want to do. If you're not sold out, you need to get sold out. I'm preaching to someone in this house. If you've walked in here casually tonight and you're not sold out to this, you need to get sold out before you leave this house. And if you're sold out, you need to stay sold out. If you're committed, you need to stay committed. You've got to stay in this 
See, we want to date him, but we don't want to marry him. We're committed for a date, but we're not committed for marriage. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a bride, not a date. He's coming back for a bride who hath made herself ready. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Can I pause here tonight? I'm wrapping up. But can I tell you, Jesus is coming. Let me say it again. I said Jesus is coming. Does anybody in this house believe that Jesus is coming? Is there anybody in this house that would say, I believe what you're preaching, preacher? Jesus is coming. And when you know Jesus is coming, nothing else really matters. When you really know Jesus, is, you'll get rid of that grudge. You'll forgive. You'll get your life right. You'll come to an altar. You'll pray through. You'll do an about face. You'll change the way you live. When you know Jesus is coming, can I tell you, Jesus could come tonight. I said Jesus could come tonight. Jesus is coming. Stand with me if you would. And when the bridegroom appears, we can't afford to be caught sleeping. We must have oil in our lamps. We've got to be ready when Jesus comes. In Romans chapter 13, Paul said in verse 11, that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chamber and mourningness, not in strife and envy. Let us walk honestly in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chamber and mourningness, not in strife. the first part of that right there's no rioting and drunkenness here pastor what about the strife what about the envy but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust John was struggling some of us are tonight. Are we still preaching the right message? Is our lifestyle still relevant in this hour? Is our devotion and commitment to God really going to matter in the end? I want you to notice Jesus' response to John's question. Jesus didn't say, go tell John. He said, go Show John again those things which you did hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go show John again. John, you believed once. Now it's time for you to believe again. You believed it once, but John, now it's time to affirm 
and to be affirmed that you believe God with me. I don't know who I'm preaching to in this house. Somebody walked through the doors questioning, is this the truth? Is Acts 2.48 the message? Is holiness and separation right? Does it matter how I look? My commitment, my consecration, my dedication, serving in ministry, serving in the choir, being a musician, being an usher, does it really matter? Is my commitment going to matter in the end? And God sent this preacher here tonight to tell you that it does matter. It does matter. I'll tell you what I want to do tonight. I want to invite this entire church to step out and make your way down to this altar. Just step out in front of everybody that's in the house. You know, it'd be a terrible thing to come all this way, John. It'd be a terrible thing to know who Jesus was, John. John, you were convinced when Jesus came to the Jordan that that was the Lamb of God. John, it would be a shame for you to come to the end of your life only to turn away, to lose your faith. Can I tell you that the most important most important thing is that I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. I want you to lift your hands all across the house and would you just begin to call on his name. I don't know what the Lord wants to do here tonight but I know he's here. I know his presence is here. Come on, reach up your hands and begin begin to reach for him in this house tonight. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters got to be ready. Oh, 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 I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Come on. Come on and reach for Him tonight, Jesus. We need you. Oh, God, we need you. Lord, whoever came into this building tonight questioning, wondering, those that came with doubts and confusion, Lord, would you affirm and reaffirm tonight? Give clarity of mind tonight. Open our hearts and our understanding again. Help us to see you, Jesus, for who you are. I need you, great God. I need you, great God. I can't do without you, Jesus. Is it you? Or do we look for another? There is no other way. There is no other
I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to release you right now to go wherever God takes you to pray for whoever God's placed in your heart right now. Would you move very quickly? Let God lead you right now. I want you to find somebody. I want you to connect with them and pray with them. Pray that God would strengthen their faith. Come on, move very quickly. Move quickly. Let the Holy Ghost direct you right now. Connect with somebody right now. I want you to pray for their faith, that their faith would not fail. Pray that God would strengthen their faith, that God would strengthen their walk. Hallelujah. Come on, lay your hand on somebody right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost begin to move right now. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost begin to flow right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody walked in feeling like they're not going to make it. Somebody walked in this building tonight feeling like they can't take another step. But the Holy Ghost has come tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is here tonight. 